0: Welcome to the Migraine Miracle Moment. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Turknet. I'm a neurologist, migraine specialist, migraine sufferer, and author of the book, The Migraine Miracle. In this podcast, you'll learn all about how to find your path to migraine freedom without pills. Let's get started. Howdy, folks. So I'm delighted today to present another migraine miracle story to you uh, from another a uh, member of our Migraine Neverland family, uh, this time uh, it's Amy Garrison. So uh, everyone seems to be enjoying these stories, and I think for good reason. They're uh, inspiring, uplifting, and present such a different side to the migraine tale that's typically told. As I think I said in the last Miracle Story with Lori, one of the cool things about these is how similar this transformation process is for folks after putting the plan into action. And I think that's something you're going to keep hearing time and time again on these uh, story podcasts. And another recurring theme, I think, is going to be people talking about all the things they once believed to be true about migraines uh, that they now realize uh, are not only true, but were making things worse and were uh, ultimately obstacles to them reaching migraine freedom. And those myths are so pervasive and need to go away, so hopefully these stories will help to accelerate their demise. And if you'd like to be part of our Migrant Neverland family and help us help you find your path to freedom, uh, then we would love to have you, and you can learn about the tools and resources we offer, uh, including Migrant Everland, by heading to MyMigrantMiracle.com and clicking on uh, the Resources tab at the top and uh, how we can help you. Also, we will be launching our first Jumpstart Challenge of the year uh, very soon, and uh, you can see our full list of uh, challenge schedules and learn more about them uh, by going to mymigrantmiracle.com forward slash schedule. Also, stick around after the interview is over, and I'm going to review some of my key takeaways uh, from this conversation with Amy Garrison. All right, so I am pleased to have Amy Garrison with me on the podcast today. Amy is part of our Migrant Neverland family and recently shared some great successes she'd had with us and has been kind enough to come on the podcast here today so that we can share that with the rest of you. So thanks so much, Amy, for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Josh.
0: How about maybe let's start just by telling us a little bit about yourself and who you are.
1: Okay. I am a financial advisor. I work in Greenville, South Carolina, and I have a wonderful husband and three stepchildren that are two 15-year-olds and a 10-year-old. And basically, that's pretty much about me.
0: Gotcha. Are you born and raised in the South?
1: I am. So I know you're from Atlanta. Yeah. I am um, born in South Carolina, basically been there my entire life. And interestingly enough, when I first found your Migraine Miracle book in 2013, I considered for quite a while making the trip to Atlanta to come <laughs> see you as a patient.
0: Yeah, you're not too far away. Well, speaking of uh, taking trips to see doctors about migraines, do you remember how old you were when the Beast first visited you?
1: Absolutely. And I think like a lot of girls, it was right around the time I turned 13. Mm -hmm. So I remember very specifically going to eat Chinese food lunch after church with my family. And Uh, then shortly after we got home, the Beast struck for the first time and it was fetal position, vomiting, extreme pain, thinking I was dying kind of thing. And so, you know, I'm pretty sure that was MSG and probably hormones related, but that Mm -hmm. was the first one. And the first one was quite honestly, probably one of the worst ones, even through my history of migraines, maybe because it was so frightening and I didn't know what was happening.
0: Sure. Yeah. The first experience is pretty scary. Did you have any idea what it was? Anybody in your family have them or anything like that?
1: Nobody in my family has them, but my mother is a nurse, and so she pretty much figured that's what it was. And she never did call it migraine. I know that once I started getting them at 13, I would get them maybe one to three times a month, and that kind of lasted until college. We just called it headache, and
0: that's what it was. Right. It's interesting you mentioned that about your experience when you're a kid. I've found that kids in particular seem to be especially sensitive to some of those foodborne triggers and MSG seems to be almost a sure thing for a lot of them. So take us through then how did things go as a teenager and up into 20s and beyond with the beast? Were things initially fairly off and on or did it kind of steadily escalate over it, time?
1: It's the steady escalate over time, just like you described. So mm-hmm. from say 13 to 18, I'd have one to three a month. They were just random it seemed but they would knock me down you know i never had the migraines that lasted for days it was always maybe four to eight hours Mm -hmm. and if i could just get through the night then i would be okay when i woke up the next morning and i'm very thankful for that as i went to college things started to get worse the stress you know eating pizza drinking beer that kind of stuff they started to come on more frequently and about 18 or 19 is when I was introduced to my first Ematrex with the college campus doctors. <laughs> so right. They prescribed Ematrex. The I thought, oh my gosh, I found my this is miracle. amazing. Yep. It's amazing. And so I would take the Ematrex. And then it was maybe just a couple of years down the road that I realized that my Ematrex supply would never last through the month. So I was taking them, I was running out of them, the insurance wouldn't pay for them. So I started to be more creative with how Mm -hmm. to solve the problem. I'm 41 now. So I went from one to three a month to maybe five to seven a month to 10 to 15 a month. And that's where I've really stayed from about age 25 till 40 was about 10 to 15 migraines a month. So after about 10 to 12 years ago, Mm -hmm. I was eating Advil by the bucket Mm -hmm. and I was buying them by the 500 pack at Costco so I was eating Advil like crazy, taking all the Amitrex, trying muscle relaxers, trying narcotics. I spent a good amount of time trying to use lower tabs and things mm-hmm. like that to try to help the headaches. Sure. And I eventually decided they didn't help at all. They just made the nausea worse. Yeah. So I stopped taking those. So then about 10 to 12 years ago, my doctor tried the first preventive. We went on Elville, mm-hmm. Amitriptyline. And so I started out with 10 milligrams a month and ended up on 50 milligrams a month because it would work for a while and then it would just not work as well. So we would increase the dose and we just kept going. When I got to 50 milligrams, she kind of said, well, let's just stop with that and stay on it. And so I added Natalol, which is a beta blocker. Mm
2: -hmm. And that
1: helped a good bit because my natural heart rate stays over 100 beats per minute that stays about 110. Uh-huh. And so with the all it dropped down to 60 or 70. Right. And that seemed to help the pounding in mm-hmm. my head. So I stayed on those for quite a while. And then we introduced Maxalt in there. My daughter said, you've taken Imatrax now for 20 years we are really worried about stroke risk in the future, so I don't want you to take any more Imetrex. but then we, because of my pleading and begging, introduced the mm-hmm. max salt at some right. point. So about age forty forty one, I hit the the wall where mm-hmm. it didn't matter what I took, nothing helped at all, and I got the Rebound headache of death, yeah, that you described. <laughs> so that was the first time I ever learned the word rebound, was when that was happening. Wow, as I was Googling to try to figure out, do I have a brain tumor? Right, you know, what's happening. I found the word rebound as I was looking up this unrelenting headache. Uh-huh. And the pieces started to fall together at that point.
0: My experience in the past with the rebound headache of death, it's one of the scariest experiences that I think you can go through because when you're faced with that unrelenting pain and there's nothing working and you don't see an end in sight, it's a really awful place to be in. And you'll take just about anything for the relief. And you know, one of the things that I talk about with rebound all the time is that the problem that's happened with the conventional way that it's talked about it's like there's that experience where you're stuck with this chronic unrelenting headache that won't go away that's called rebound but everything that kind of led up to that point is ignored a switch just flips and that happens it's a process that it's evolving all the time with each dose of medication and that's just like a place you never ever want to go back to right
1: Absolutely. So I'll back up for a moment and say, I discovered you two times. So okay. I found your book, The Migraine Miracle, I believe in late 2013, early 2014. So mm-hmm. very close to when it came out, I found right. it because I was constantly scouring the internet. You know, I'll read any book, any article, I'll take any advice, I'll try yeah. any elimination, I'll do whatever. Right, whatever Right. This- okay. So I read your book. And I got maybe 40% through it and I stopped reading it because I got to the part about the no gluten. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready to go there. And so I kind of put it aside on my Kindle and just sounds nice. And maybe I'll go see him in Atlanta, but I'm just not sure I can commit to this. And so I put it aside and then things got progressively worse and found the rebound headache and all of that. So Mm -hmm. I discovered the rebound part kind of on my own and, knew that I had to stop taking the tryptans and the Advils and all right. these things that go along with it in order to make it stop. And so I started seeing the consequences and the lead up. And I would read articles that said that it would take five years of constant Advil consumption to kind right. of get to that point. So to was, that. Yeah, so starting to figure out all those pieces. And then the Amovig came out. Mm-hmm. And so I was researching the Amovig because I want to try that out too. And I wanted to know what it did to the brain. Right. I'm very (laughs) detail-oriented. I wanted to know if I shoot this stuff in my body, what's it going to do? And I'm still looking for the magic solution. When I was Googling it, I ran across an article from you about how research is being done about how migraines are actually causing some sort of actual brain Mm -hmm. damage. And so when I found that article, I thought, I have his book on my Kindle. And so I went back. And I read the whole book and I read it with fresh eyes, with the rebound information and with the experiences of the past five years. And oh my gosh, it's like heaven opened up and the light shone down. And I said, this is my answer. (laughs) And I've had it right here for five years. (laughs) Better late than never. That's right. So I devoured the book and I joined the community and I started to do all the research. And it has been just amazing. I went from... 15 and probably sometimes 20 headaches a month to now I can tell you very consistently that I will have a menstrual migraine if I don't prepare ahead of time. So Mm -hmm. I believe very much in the menstrual migraine protocol that y'all came out with. So if I take the time to say five to seven days ahead of time, cut my sugar down and be a little bit more mindful of my diet and my exercise, then I can avoid that one. And if I don't do those things, I'll still have that migraine, but it lasts two hours and it's just a mild annoyance and it doesn't stop me and I don't take anything for it. I just move on. And so I've literally gotten my life back and it's amazing.
0: That's so great. And I'm glad to hear you say that about the uh, menstrual migraine protocol. Obviously, uh, Jenny was instrumental in helping to come up with that because I'm a self-tester, but I can't test that one. So when was it that you kind of started implementing the plan?
1: Well, it was about seven and a half months ago because I kept a tracker of when the last time I took a last trip 10 was. Mm -hmm. And so it's been, so I have taken one in 226 days, which is seven and a half months ago. And that one I took, I took at the 70th day. So it's been 156 days since I've had one since then. So literally, when I read your book and then I found the three pillars of migraine, Mm -hmm. I read that and I said, okay. I am 100% done. So, not only am I done with the Triptans, I'm done with the Advil's, no more Ambien, no more Somas, no more nothing. Just right. I'm done with the pharmaceuticals. And so, in that time, not only did I decide that I was done with the tryptans, but I also decided that I was going to be done with the preventives because there was no reason to take the preventives if I was doing, you know, building the good, strong pillars right. and not having the migraines. I didn't need this anymore. So in that 226 days, I have come off of every single medication I was on, 100% across the board. So it's not that I don't believe in medicines anymore and don't believe in doctors. I definitely see how they are helpful and and I go and do all my checkups and everything that I'm supposed to, Mm -hmm. but I'm no longer willing to just take a pill because they prescribe it to me. And so I did not take the Amovig. I did the research and... Read your stuff and decided mm-hmm. that rather than adding another medicine to the protocol, I was just gonna stop taking them. So I weaned off the Elavil, I stopped taking the Natalol. So it's been an amazing seven and a half months,
0: yeah. Also, for me, I mean, that's remarkable in so many ways. And you're doing better than ever, you know, without all that, which is such mm-hmm. an important thing to remember. And I'm glad you said that about medicines too, is that I'm all in favor of using them when they're appropriate. So it's more about the strategic and thoughtful use of medications, and also remembering that they're just only one tool and we have so many other tools. And I think part of the issue, especially with migraines, but some of the other things that we doctors see all the time is that we've kind of overlooked all these other tools that we have that really are in many ways so much more powerful because they're sort of using your own body's ability to heal itself rather than kind of using a drug that in many cases may disrupt that ability.
1: Correct system is set up that way and that they're more incented to write the prescriptions. And it's an easier fix than going through and doing the harder work yourself of of figuring things out. I mean, I figured out through this process that I don't have to take Advil if I get a cold. I I ended up getting 14 stitches and they said, take Advil when you get home and take (laughs) Advil every four hours for the next three days. And I got home and said... You know, it kind of hurts, but it right. doesn't really warrant an Advil. <laughs> right. So, so I didn't any at all. And I've gotten through a couple of colds, no problem. So mentally, I've been able to realize that the pill isn't the answer for everything. And what I figured out on the the three pillars
2: mm-hmm.
1: is that without a doubt, so you have the three pillars kind of standing equally, but I feel like rebound is by far the strongest one. So if I stay away from the meds, yeah. And don't touch them. And the longer I go, the stronger I get from not taking them. That's my number one for sure. And then I have found that the metabolic flexibility
2: mm-hmm. is
1: by far the most mm-hmm. important for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I've actually now started practicing intermittent fasting and going 18, 24 hours a day, sometimes not eating. And where I would used to got to have a orange juice and a Snickers because I'm going to have a migraine. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would throw that sugar on board to try to keep it from happening and then it would just spiral out of control. So those two things I've gotten very, very strong with and I've found for me personally that if I keep those two really rock solid, it gives me a little bit more flexibility in -hmm. in the diet part of it.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: so I'm really happy with how life seems to be simple now.
0: Yeah, right. It does simplify things so much, doesn't it? It's really interesting that you say all that. So many other people sort of independently discover these things for themselves. We put out all these things that we know to be beneficial and people come to the same conclusions about sort of what the rock solid foundation of all that is. And for me too, for everybody we work with, it's like the things that you don't want to touch or the rebound issue, the medications, and then the um, metabolic flexibility piece. You want to keep those things in order. And then other things can be a little bit more flexible, but those are like the non-negotiables. So what kind of changes have you made in terms of the way you eat now, say, compared to before you started starting down the plant? Did you have to make a lot of changes or was it not too much for you?
1: Well, so I'm a chronic lifetime dieter too. So I'm Uh I'm one of those that gained and lost the same 20 and 30 pounds a hundred times over my lifetime, it seems. So one of the things that I noticed over time as I was trying to put this puzzle together, but I couldn't get the puzzle together, was every time I tried a low-carb diet, my migraines went away. Ah. So the Atkins, South Beach, keto things, they always miraculously disappeared during that time, but I couldn't figure out exactly what it was that was doing it. So I sort of realized every time that that was helping some The thing that I was missed was the processed food part of it, really. So Mm -hmm. I would manage to eat low-carb, but still eat a lot of processed, chemically-laden stuff. And there were times where I would not eat as high-carb as I possibly could because I was frustrated with the whole thing, and that made it clearly worse. So what I've had to focus on since I've found the protocol was really more natural foods. Mm So I'm trying to just... Yeah, I'm thinking medicine and meds didn't really fix my problem and maybe if I go back to basics all the way around things will be better and it is just so much simpler and so much easier. So while I still definitely occasionally cave and eat one of the kids' Pop Tarts, I try to eat pretty simple easy meals. We do a lot of fish and salads and steak and vegetables, Brussels sprouts and things like that. So I started out doing the um the meal plan.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So
1: I started out doing the primal provisions. And I am just inherently too lazy to follow somebody else's (laughs) meal plan. They would look beautiful, and then I would not go to the store and buy the ingredients. And if I went to the store to buy the ingredients, I wouldn't make the recipe. So I'm just a throw a protein on the grill, throw a vegetable in there, eat and be done kind of person. That works. (laughs) I I just keep it as easy as possible. And so that's really what the main thing is. I still eat some gluten. You know, we do a lot of cauliflower crust pizzas now instead of regular pizzas. I almost nine times out of 10, when we go to eat a burger, I just put the bun aside and eat the burger because I find that it doesn't really add so much to it that I can't
2: not. And so
1: I'll still eat it occasionally, but for the most part, I know that it's one of the things that keeps me feeling good. So i try to stick with that.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really important point with all the food changes that you make, you know, the more you can associate the things that you do eat with, you know, protecting you, and the more you can associate the things that you're avoiding with the bees, it makes it a whole lot easier and I enjoy food so much more than I used to and I see it totally differently than I used to. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll tell you this, I would make obsessively long lists of things that I was going to avoid. And this is what you've come up with is so miraculous because I would say, okay, I'm not going to have alcohol and I'm not going to have gluten or sugar or chocolate or oranges or nuts or, you know, right. and you'd make a list of 700 things that you shouldn't eat and then you go out to eat and it's no fun, and you're the one that's difficult to figure out what you need to do. And then my list also included sunshine, heat, yes. you know. And I, my husband's like, "I love you, but you're not a whole lot of fun." <laughs> we <laughs> yes. have a pool, and in the summertime, uh-huh. I could go outside for thirty, forty minutes, but then I was, yeah. it has to go inside because I was going to get a headache, or if right. I had a beer all by the pool, yeah, you know, that was a sure forget thing about it going to happen. Yeah. 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 And so there were some horrific days where at the very beginning, I would go outside and we'd stay for four hours and I would drink two beers and eat two hot dogs. And then Lord help me that night when the migraine hit. (laughs) So now it's just, uh, it's just a different world. Just amazing.
0: Yeah, we talk about the old story and the new story of migraine. And I know you mentioned that in the um, survey you filled out on the Beasley Training Academy. But the part of that old story is just like you said, this laundry list of things to avoid. The world is just a minefield, right? And it's just not fun for people around you, but it's certainly not fun for you. It's not a, a fun way to navigate through the world. And so just shifting that one shift in mindset to thinking, okay, why don't I stop thinking about things that I'm avoiding and start making a list of all the things that help me and protect me and nourish me and it completely changes how you think about so many different things. You mentioned realizing the value of mindset and some of the old mindsets that may have been holding you back when you filled out that survey. Is there anything else that comes to mind or anything else that you'd say about kind of the differences in, in your mindset sort of before you started down this road and now?
1: the mindset part is absolutely critical. And it's amazing how just the word opens up the the rabbit hole of that. So you Mm -hmm. start thinking, I had no idea that the way I thought about the migraines actually played into how things were actually playing through in life. And you can start to apply to so many other things in your life. So I think that's really amazing too. But I was scared. I was scared every single day of my life. This is Mm -hmm. the day I wake up and I'm scared, is this the day that I'm going to make it till lunchtime at work and then have to go home and hide under the covers for the rest of the day? And I was scared to do or eat or drink or participate in anything. And it was just exhausting to be scared all the time. And so now that I've shifted the mindset, and I do focus on the things that nourish me and and I have a healthy respect for the things that I know are going to help weaken Me and bring on the beast. Mm -hmm. And I feel powerful and I feel ecstatic. It's really a peaceful, wonderful feeling to say, I know that if I eat an entire box of chocolate covered cherries, I'm (laughs) probably going to get a migraine. (laughs) So I'm just not going to do that. It's just when you spend 20, 30 years in this maddening cycle of trying to figure out the elusive triggers when they always seem to be changing. Right. When you finally put the puzzle together, it's just indescribable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so many people who we've worked with, just and myself included, talk about the one of the big changes just being that you no longer have this feeling of helplessness and this lack of control. Like that so much of the cost of migraines is just that feeling each day, what's gonna happen? You know, I don't know. Is this gonna be a day I lose? Am I gonna be in bed? Is it you don't know each day? And you feel like you have no real way to predict that and Simply going from that to just having an awareness, even if the beast comes, people say now, you know, well, I know why and I know what to do to get rid of them. So it's totally different place mentally to have mm-hmm. that feeling of control back. Even if it comes, it's like it's not the end of the world and I know what to do and I'm good. And just psychologically, there's so much value in that. That changes so many things. And Also, like you said, the one thing I think people have liked about the mindset piece is that once you start to see how much it can impact migraine, you also then start saying, well, maybe it's impacting other parts of my life that I haven't been thinking about. So you realize that you can change your story in all sorts of other ways and it will filter out and make impacts that you may not have initially thought of. So is there anything you would say if someone's out there listening who is kind of where you are at before you started down this road? What would you say to them?
1: Honestly, I would say jump in with both feet. So Mm -hmm. I found that the Beast Slayer Academy was extremely helpful. There wasn't a single module that I went through that I didn't get something out of that I could then turn around and apply. And so I decided to do the Migraine Neverland Mm -hmm. membership six months to soak it all in and read as much as I could. And I consider myself to be an extreme researcher. So mm-hmm. has to get tell. out of the world with Google. So, <laughs> so, so I try to soak in everything that I possibly can and then apply it to my life. But what I would tell people who are not as obsessively researching <laughs> as I am right. is just trust it because it is simple, it is effective, and it may not be easy to start with because the coming off the triptans and going through the rebound and, mm-hmm. and going through the first few migraines with no help at all, It feels scary and it feels very painful, but it's very empowering once you get through it and you realize I just got through this without taking the medicine. So I've done it once. Mm
2: -hmm. Now I
1: know I can do it again. And if you start the clock where you say it's been 24 hours since I've had my last trip in and then you get to seven days and you get to 14 days, the longer you do that, the more beneficial that residual not taking it builds up in your system. And it just gets stronger from there. So just my biggest piece of advice is give it 90 days,
2: mm-hmm. stop
1: the, stop the triptans, try the diet, try the metabolic flexibility,
0: mm-hmm. just
1: try it and it'll change your life.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of people talk about that initial early wins, even when they're you know, the folks, especially who've just decided I'm going cold turkey and you know, the next day things weren't better, noticed things starting to change fairly soon in terms of the character of their headaches and then the fact that they could make it through and getting these periods where they were feeling okay and they hadn't taken anything. Just those little small victories seemed to really help propel people forward, and like you say, it is empowering once you feel like you've got something besides the drug that will work. And those little shifts in mindset really make a difference in sort of keeping your uh, momentum.
1: I was surprised how much the migraines changed. I had read that you said that they weren't as bad over time and they got better for you, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really believe that part to start with. But I can tell you now, I can feel the tingle come over my my left eye and I kind of know the starting symptoms of one now. Mm-hmm. And I can go lay down and put ice on my head and just give myself an hour and most likely just avoid it. And so, you know, and even if it does come on, it's it's 10 and 20% of what I used to sit through. And that happened relatively quickly once I stopped taking Advil and the Triptans. I think that is the biggest piece of that to make the migraines milder.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's huge. And that's something that's really not talked about is that not only do you raise the risk of a future migraine, but those migraines themselves are going to be more intense. Do you use any current strategies right now for sort of minimizing or reducing pain if it does strike?
1: I try to do the starve and sink method Mm -hmm. just because I do realize now that when I was trying to load with sugar to make one stop coming on that that was just making it worse right so if i feel a headache coming on and i haven't eaten for the day yet i just continue that because Mm -hmm. it does make it go away a lot faster Mm -hmm. i have always found pretty good relief with ice just an ice pack on my head and and laying down in a quiet room i did try the peppermint oil on my Mm -hmm. forehead just to I tried that. That made me extremely nauseous. I tried that a few times until, <laughs> to the point now that I don't want to smell peppermint. At all. <laughs> I was trying to make a positive association right. with if I put the oil on my head, it would help it go away. And I yeah. decided that that's not for me. Not so, for you. Yeah. Now I have not gone out and tried to walk or exercise uh-huh. through one because my natural inclination is to curl up in a dark room. And so <laughs> right. I will just not eat, but I have not gotten out and moved around. But at this point, they're so mild. I don't yeah. need any more stretch. I feel good with where I am.
0: Right. You have that in your back pocket if you ever need it, but it sounds like you haven't really needed it. That's where you hope things stay. That's fantastic. Well, Amy, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it will help a lot of people. And I also know that it wasn't the first time they got the book that they went down this path. It often takes several different exposures. And so that's one reason for continuing with the podcast and getting stuff out there. And hopefully enough people hear this enough times that be motivated and inspired to start. And I think these kinds of stories are probably one of the most inspiring things. So... Thanks for taking time to do it and for sharing your experience because it's going to help a lot of people.
1: I appreciate you asking me to do it. I was very excited to share my story. I think that when you go through 25 years of pain that only a certain group of the world can actually understand. (laughs) It's really a lot of fun to be able to say, hey, I made it through it and now I have the tools to make it through it for the rest of my life. And you just want to share that so that other people can take it and go with it.
0: Yep, absolutely. Right. That's the primary mission here is just once you see this, you think, oh, my goodness, you know, everybody needs to know this. And so thanks for being part of that effort.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Well, hopefully you enjoyed that interview. Uh, Once again, uh, thank you, Amy, for taking the time to share your story with us. And I'm just going to remark on a few of the highlights from her uh, awesome uh, interview so one thing I mentioned earlier uh, before the interview was the uh, recurring themes uh, that uh, keep emerging from folks from these stories. So one of those recurring themes uh, seemed to be uh, people encountering uh, the book at some point uh, for maybe the first time and thinking, ah, uh, it sounds maybe too good to be true, or that sounds really hard, I don't know if I'm ready to do all that, and so on. And then kind of ultimately reaching some breaking point, and then going all in on the plan. And then in in retrospect, thinking, why didn't I do this sooner? You know, so many of those things that once seemed like they'd be really hard or uh, difficult uh, seem trivial now. And I think that's a pretty universal uh, uh, feeling. And I know uh, it's certainly the way I feel. Um, I've talked many times before and so have our other guests uh, about how there really is no temptation to go back to the way uh, you were doing things before, even though, you know, before you went down this road, you thought uh, doing anything differently would seem uh, crazy or really, really hard. And you'll also hear all of our guests say, just try it. Uh, and again, that's what I've always told people is just just give it uh, thirty days, or ideally, you know, sixty or ninety days, because really, it's the results that are going to speak for themselves. And that's also one reason why we created the uh, Jump Start Challenge was to help folks not only implement the plan, but to help them stick with it by giving them some external accountability. And as I mentioned in the intro, uh, our next uh, challenge is in fact one of our Jump Start Challenge. So uh, if you're if you're uh, on the fence or you haven't Uh, yet uh, committed to this or gone all in, uh, that'd be a great time to start. As Amy mentioned in her interview, once she did kind of reach that breaking point, she really did just go all in with everything. So she overhauled her diet. Uh, She joined Micro Neverland. She uh, went through the entire Beast Slayer Training Academy, which she uh, attributed as a central piece to her uh, success. She ditched all of her medications. She stopped her other preventative medications. She ended up not uh, taking Amovig. And In doing all that has gone from chronic unrelenting headaches to migraine freedom. And again, let that sink in. So all of these medications that she was on that have been developed supposedly to help with migraines, and yet now on none of them, she's doing better than she would have ever thought possible. And this is kind of what I talked about in a recent episode on why doesn't my doctor know about this, where I talked about how strange it is that we deal with decades of horrible results, where we see that the very condition that is supposed to be helped with the medicines we're taking, and yet we experience that condition worsening and worsening over time. And somehow we fail to stop and think, "Wait a second, it, this doesn't make any sense." You know, if this was, uh, if this treatment uh, was doing what it was supposed to be doing, I should be getting better. I also love how she fully embraced the concept of mindset after kind of going through that part of the course and realized how the, the thoughts she was having, the stories she was telling about her migraines uh, had actually been undermining her progress. She ditched that story of triggers where you're seeing the whole world as this minefield and all these things and catalog of lists uh, that you're, of stuff you're supposed to avoid and instead flipped that on its head to finding all of the great many things that protect and nourish you and it's such a better way to see the world and such a more effective strategy at uh, slaying the beast she also mentioned in our interview uh... having success with the uh, menstrual migraine protocol so uh... one of the things that i found after uh... working with a lot of people implementing the plan uh... was that with women oftentimes the very last thing to go away was their menstrual migraine so Uh, Jenny and I worked hard on creating a protocol uh, over the past couple of years and uh, posted that uh, as a bonus in the Beast Slayer Training Academy. And it's so wonderful to, to hear not only of folks putting it into action, but getting great results and kind of clearing that final hurdle. So those are just a few of the highlights from her interview. Several of our members have talked about going back and listening to these prior success story interviews and how helpful they've been. And I'd encourage you to do the same. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom in these and uh, stuff that you may not pick up on the first time or that just are good to be to uh, reinforce and to hear again. So this, is, uh, this interview is certainly no ex- exception. So I would strongly encourage you to do that. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, it'd be great if you left a rating and review in iTunes. Uh, As I mentioned in the last episode, we're going to be holding a regular uh, drawing every month for people who have submitted reviews. And the prize is a uh, personalized copy of the book and one of our uh, Beast Slayer shirts, which you can see by going to mymigrantmiracle.com forward slash shirts. So to enter that drawing, just leave a rating and review on iTunes, screenshot it, and then just send it to us by email. And the easiest way to do that is just for a reply to any of the uh, emails we've sent you uh, as part of the mailing list. And if for some odd reason you're not on our list, uh, go to our website, mymagramiracle.com, and there's a link to sign up right on the homepage. Okay, so that's all for this episode. I will see you in the next one, and now it's time to go out and slay the beast.